Lecture topic. Looking at the faults of others and thinking highly of oneself. Topic of Allah Ta'ala. Let's again we commence with this program of reading from the kitabs of Al Qadir. And the purpose is to correct ourselves, rectify ourselves. This is the objective. This is a kitab of Hazrat Allah, Hazrat Allah Shaki Mawad Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullah titled Kashkol e Ma'rifat. So Kashkol in Urdu is something that refers to the begging bowl. The person who is a beggar is begging bowl. So now when a person holds out his begging bowl, so somebody passing by drops something into it. So this kitab has been titled Kashkol e Ma'rifat. In other words, the begging bowl that has been put forward and the Ma'rifat of Allah Ta'ala that has been gathered in this from the various different sources, different kitabs, different writings of the Akabir, different discourses, etc. So the many different benefits of different personalities have all been gathered in here. And therefore this has been given this title. One lesson in the title itself in our du'as, we also raise our hands. So we raise our hands, that's sunnah, and it's sunnah to raise the hands in line with the chest. In line with the chest and facing towards the sky, upwards. Sometimes it's put right to the face, so that's not in accordance with the sunnah. So, now the hands that are raised together, the shape, so to say, it takes is like that of a begging bowl. So now we are presenting our begging bowl to Allah Ta'ala. So that is to give one example on this or one, one point on it, that the law of Sharia is that if a person is found guilty of theft, so he has stolen something, a certain minimum amount, if it has exceeded that, now he's stolen something. So the law of Shariat is that his hand will be cut. And that's a law, that's in the Quran Sharif. The world will call it what they want, but the world keeps changing with all what they, their theories are. We should never get affected by that. Never ever harbor any question about the law of Allah Ta'ala in our hearts. Because this exposure to all kinds of things, all kinds of writings and all kinds of comments and articles and whatever else, many times it starts bringing questions in the hearts of people regarding the ahkam of deen, the law of Allah Ta'ala. They start subjecting the law of Allah Ta'ala to the logic of their own minds. And worse than that is to the logic of kuffar. People who don't have iman, and now what logic, so-called logic they are presenting, a person is now analyzing the law of Allah Ta'ala in the light of that logic, 
can that ever be acceptable? Can that ever come anywhere in the heart of a mu'min? So, that is something to be totally, in fact, any such article written by Kuffar is out of the question, even by people who have Iman but are far away from Deen. They have no uh, strong basis in the, in the Quran and Sunnah, they are not adherent to the Sunnah in their lives. And such people's writings also must be avoided completely. Because that writing, Allah knows best, what's, what's the impact of that writing going to be on the heart? So in any case, this was just something that came to mind. The point was, that we were discussing is, so the command of Shariat is that the person has committed theft. So now, if he's found guilty of that, then his hand will be cut off. So let's explain this point on it, that this hand was meant to be, come his begging bowl, to ask from Allah Ta'ala. The dua, we raise our begging bowl to ask from Allah Ta'ala. So he totally disregarded this begging bowl. He abused it. Rather than raising it to ask from Allah Ta'ala, he went and placed his hand on somebody else's property. So this was such a major disregard of this begging bowl that Allah Ta'ala granted, that now he gets deprived of it. You're not worthy of it. It's taken away now. Hand will be cut off. Because this was meant to be raised to Allah Ta'ala. Like a person is given something by his father gives the son something. He says, you use this. It's for you to use it. But then he abuses it. He says, no, you're not, you're not worthy of this. Take it back. So he abused this na'mat and bounty of Allah Ta'ala. It gets cut. So in any case, this was just on the note of the title. That this is the begging bowl to keep raising to Allah Ta'ala. Unfortunately, the begging bowl is there. But if it's not raised... The person has, he's a beggar, he's sitting on the street, but he's got his hands down, his begging bowl is behind him somewhere. Whoever passes by, they're not going to drop anything in. So the begging bowl has to be presented. In other words, we too have to keep presenting our needs to Allah Ta'ala. Presenting our needs more than anything of Akhirat. And likewise our needs of dunya. And present to Allah Ta'ala whatever we, our issues might be. And that is the way that we will get past whatever our matters are. Unfortunately, we leave dua for the last. When everything fails, nothing seems to work, nobody is there to help, no solution in sight, and everything has closed up, then we decide now it's time to make dua. Whereas dua is the starting point. Dua is the starting point. And then with dua, after having made dua, whatever is in our means, whatever is possible to adopt, we'll adopt that as well. But in any case, this just came to mind on the title, the title being Kashkole Marifat, the begging bowl of Marifat. This is to gain the Marifat of Allah Ta'ala, a collection of many, many articles, etc. So in front of us we have something that Hazrat has taken from the writings of Hazrat Mahashaf Ali Thani Rahmatullah Ali, Eb Joy Ojib or Takabur Ka Ilaj the remedy, the treatment of three very severe maladies, spiritual maladies. So the word that is here is ilaj, treatment. And this is what it's all about. It's all about treatment of the spiritual ailments. Now, these are things that have been discussed. These topics from different articles, different kitabs, etc. 
have been discussed time and again. But if you look into the writings of the Mashayikh, the amount that has been discussed about the treatment for takabbur, for ujb, and these particular maladies, it far exceeds most of the other things. Because these are the things that are the root of all the other spiritual maladies. So if the root is treated, many times person is now wanting to get rid of some weeds or whatever, they say, no, we're going to apply some kind of poisonous substance to the root. Now the root is dried up with that poisonous substance, the whole tree withers down and then finally it's gone. You see, it's a very harmful tree and causing a lot of issues and whatever else. So the tree now, you just chop the branches out, but you leave the root. In a short while, again, the branches are sprouting out of it. And again, everything is back to square one. We take the root out, take the root out, the tree is gone, the branches are gone, everything is gone. So that same application has to be in the case of spiritual maladies. And this is why the Bashayas highlight this so much. So here also is the aspect of the treatment for Eb Joy. Eb Joy finding faults of others, looking at the faults of others, and picking on people's faults. And the other is Ojib, vanity, thinking great of oneself, I'm somebody. And Takabur, pride, the very major part of the pride is looking down on others. So Ujb is already a part of pride in the sense that in Ujb a person is concerned about himself. I am somebody. Doesn't matter if everybody else is also somebody, okay. And they might be very good also. But I am also somebody. And Takabur is one beyond that. That I am somebody and this person is nobody. In other words, lower than me. I am better than him. So these are major maladies, very severe maladies. And these are the root of issues, the Kabbur and Ujjim. This is treated, this is uprooted, and a lot of other issues get taken care of by themselves. So here there is one question that a person had presented to and then his answer. All these questions and answers have been extracted from a kitab that is titled Tarbiyatul Salik. Now this is a compilation of the correspondence that he used to receive. Sometimes on an average day, 40 to 50 letters he used to reply to. On an average day. Imagine 40 to 50 letters a day. And then in each letter sometimes there will be multiple questions. So this was, now people far and wide, different parts of the world, in fact, were corresponding for their Islam, and this Islam was taking place in this manner. This is what Islam is, the process of Islam is all about. There's two parts to the process of Islam. The one part of it is that a person adopts somebody as a murshid, as a guide, and he accompanies him as much as possible to benefit from the company of the sheikh and take the advice 
listen to the advices that may be given and the mere company is a very great benefit that comes to him but then that's one part of it the other is the ittila and ittiba informing of one's spiritual conditions and taking the advice and implementing it so now this is also a very very fundamental part and if this is not taken care of this is not adopted then that islah doesn't happen really because this is not something that is based on anybody's kashf and anybody's uh, guesswork somebody will just guess it or just discern it that okay this is a problem and this is the advice I need that has to be put forward this is my problem in honesty in transparency in clarity this is a problem and this is a problem now what do I do that is the process by which it works now if a person mentions half the problem so he might get caught in the benefit because half the problem might not highlight the entire issue so he'll get some benefit out of it but it's not going to bring the results that he's looking for so this is the important aspect and these people who are truly concerned about their Islam they put forward their issues and therefore this is one of the things to learn out of this that how people corresponded for the sake of their Islam what was their manner of raising their issues and then how it helped them to get past it so one person presented his condition so he wrote to Hazrat Rahmatullah and said ek shakhs ne kaha huzur mujh mein to ek sakht aib bhi hai aur sakhti ke saath rasikh ho gaya hai ke dousro ka aib to bohut bada malum hota hai hatta ki isme ghibat tak nobat a jati hai aur apna aib nahi malum hota one person wrote that I have a very severe aib in me a fault very very severe fault and very severe problem in me and this problem has become very deep rooted now this is somebody who has reflected on himself having reflected he has discerned something and he is now presenting it in the manner that he has seen it he is not holding back anything he is saying look I have a severe problem and this severe problem also has become deep rooted what's the problem? other people's faults look very big to me and it brings me to the point of now I get involved in ghibat as well so now somebody might have got a fault also but that fault of the person in reality might be a smaller matter but for me I see it as a very big thing and if it's a big thing it's a big thing in any case in any case I keep noticing the faults of others and then I start making ghibat of it also because now that starts occupying my mind and heart this person, look at what he's up to, look at what he's doing, look at this issue in this person's life and that starts occupying my heart and mind so now I start getting involved in ghibat as well there's one very very subtle point that the mashayikh also discuss in this one is which is ghibat which we are aware of to speak about somebody something about somebody that he will dislike so now that has got nothing to do with whether it is true or untrue 
If it's true, it's ribat. If it's untrue, it's worse. It's bhutan, it's a slander. It's true, but he's not going to be happy about this being discussed. And it's not one of the exceptions. Like a person now is bringing something to the attention of the father. That look, this is what your son is up to. You should please attend to it. So now out of well-wishing, with the niyat of well-wishing, he's bringing it to the attention of somebody who can do something about it. Somebody who can correct it. Somebody who can address it. And purely with the niyat of well-wishing, with the niyat of islah, with the niyat of correcting, not with the niyat of ifsad, with the niyat of causing some corruption, running somebody down, humiliating somebody, that's not his intention. The intention is genuine, he's doing it to address a problem and correct it, help somebody. So now that is one very clear manner in which river takes place, and which is a very severe sin. Very severe sin. The details of which have been discussed previously as well, the description of it in the Quran Sharif, the, the example that the Quran Sharif presents of this, أَيُحِبُّ أَحَدُكُمْ أَيَّأْكُلَ لَحْمَ أَخِيهِ مَيْتًا Do you like to eat, anybody would like to eat the flesh of his dead brother? After a short while, after a few hours, that body starts decomposing, and then that odor and stench will come, and that flesh that would be now rotting, and human flesh, can anybody ever imagine that somebody will want to consume this? That very abhorrent feeling, something that's very nauseating, that is meant to be created with this example. Quran Sharif, this example is meant to give that, that impact to the heart, so that the severity of ghibat settles in the heart. This is such a nauseating sin such a disgusting crime. So in any case, that is one manner in which Ghibat takes place that a person now is talking to somebody else and talking ill of someone. But there's also another Ghibat which is very rarely realized and sometimes and very often not even considered as Ghibat. In the various categories of thoughts now there are different categories and levels, different names that have been given to the kinds of thoughts that pass in the heart of a person. It's all technical details, no need to get into those technicalities, hajis and khatir. And then there's one level that is known as hadithun nafs. The hadithun nafs, like a person sits and talks to somebody else, so he's sitting and talking to his father, his brother, his son, his friend, whoever. Person often sits and talks to himself, within himself. One is if he talks to himself but he's talking aloud to himself, then somebody else might overhear that people are going to get very concerned. Something is seriously wrong here. This person is talking, so nobody talks aloud to himself. Some odd occasion he might just say a word or so. But generally nobody will sit and talk aloud to himself. But very often, and almost every day, or the, at some time or the other, people end up talking to themselves within themselves. So now one is, a person is just contemplating something, so now he's thinking about it, so now he's thinking about it, so now he's running entire conversation in his mind. What if we do this? No, no, that won't be fine, do that. So now fine, that's okay in terms of day-to-day 
work that he has to do, etc. So all that is in his place. But sometimes that kind of inner conversation, that inner conversation is about the ills of somebody. That inner conversation is about the ills of somebody else. Now one is, he is thinking about how to correct somebody. That is in his place now. He is out of sheer concern, out of well-wishing. My fellow Muslim brother is involved in this matter. This is going to harm his akhirat, harming his dunya already. And this is such a dangerous thing that he is getting himself into. So how do I correct him? I don't have the himmat and courage to do this. Who can I talk to? Maybe should I approach this person? No, that person may not even also have the courage. Who else can? Now he's thinking about all this out of sheer well-wishing. Thinking about what? How to correct the situation. He's thinking about a way or a means of Islam. That is not just in order, that's a very noble thing. That's his niyat and that's what he's engaged in. Then it's, mashallah, very noble thing because that is fikr. That is now concern. Concern for what? Concern for the next person's Islam. So we have to be concerned about our own Islam as well. And that's the more important thing that we now therefore look at our faults, deeply search within ourselves, and then think about what we have to do. But now likewise, for the well-wishing of our fellow Muslims, our might be somebody near and dear to us, it might be somebody in our own home, our household, whoever, whoever it might be. That's very much in order. But the other is just running our minds about somebody else's ill. What's the problem with this fellow? How can he be so lowly? How could he have done such a thing like this? But what we're thinking about it and running our minds in that conversation, just expressing within ourselves disgust at somebody, thinking ill of someone. So now there's a whole conversation running in the mind. This is ghibat of the mind. This is a ghibat within. It's not ghibat with another person. It's ghibat that's taking place inside. This too is ghibat. This is something really understood because it's really spoken about, heard. But this too is a point that the Mashayikh have mentioned. Very, very subtle and very deep point that this level of ghibat also must be refrained from. Because this too is ghibat. It's also a conversation within. So as explained, there are different situations now. One is a person is a he is applying his mind of how to correct something. Or for example, if he is at the receiving end of some issue, so now he is applying his mind of how to get himself out of that situation. How to correct the situation and save himself from the problem. So now that's fine, now he's going to think about it. Now this person is oppressing me, so now what do I do now to save myself from this oppression? So now he's going to probably do this tomorrow. So now what do I do to avoid it? Because now this is a pattern that has happened now so many times. So now I'm going to meet him now. As soon as I meet him, he's going to probably start telling me something hurtful because it happened every other day, every time I met him. So now what do I do to avoid it? So now for that purpose now he's engaging his mind. Obviously he has to save himself from the harm. But just merely people's ills, people's faults and now just running his mind in it, this too is very harmful. This too is a ghibad and this too has to be refrained from. So now all this starts off from where? Often it starts off from this malady 
of looking for the faults of people and if not looking for it, going to dig it out but as soon as we see people's faults so now we latch onto that and we take very careful note of faults of others our own faults this is the biggest problem that happens out of looking for the faults of others or taking very close note of the faults of others that the person becomes totally blinded to his own faults he in his own heart and mind, in his sight he is fine everybody else has a problem so now this person mentioned the same thing here and he says that hatta ke isme ghibat tak nobat aajati hai aur apna aib nahi malum hota says I start even getting involved in this ghibat after having noticed the faults of others I get so caught up in that I get caught up in the ghibat after that and as a result I don't end up seeing my own faults my faults seem nothing to me now this is the biggest harm of this very serious malady of now focusing ourselves on the faults of others then we seem very fine in our own sight I'm okay at the most what we often repeatedly discuss at the most it is that I'm not perfect so I'm not perfect that too is a very very deceptive statement we make and we deceive ourselves in it because I'm not perfect could mean I'm 99% not 100% so now I'm the 1% short but if we really go and analyze ourselves sometimes we wonder whether we'll pass but now by that statement I'm not perfect so even the person gets 80% got an A pass but he's not perfect he got an A pass is a distinction but 20% short he is but he also got a distinction so now we also are distinctions so now we already have made ourselves, put ourselves in a distinguishing position but that now gives us license to now look at the faults of everybody else so now the thing is to look deep down within ourselves, analyze our issues, analyze our actions, analyze our words analyze the use of our gaze, the use of our tongue how we occupied our hearts, what we were thinking about how often in the day we got involved in rebirth within ourselves how much we are harboring this ujb and vanity in our hearts then we'll realize where we stand and that is what is necessary that we now look within ourselves to create that figure so this person also wrote the same thing that I now got so deep into this I don't even see my own faults then he says har chand koshish karta hu ke ye bad aadat mujse dafa ho jave lekin kisi tarah nahi jati regardless of how many times and how much effort I make to remove this very bad habit from myself but it is not going so now when something a person has some sickness some ailment the first thing normally he goes for some home remedy he tries something that he can administer himself so that's often the first step and I does something he heard something somewhere he read something in some kitab so he decides okay I'll adopt this but then if it didn't help yet meaning he didn't yet get to where he's supposed to be he didn't get it sorted out so he's saying well I'm trying the physical part of it that's not where we stopped we took some off the shelf medication but that didn't help so now he's immediately making arrangements to see a doctor to now present the situation to the doctor and get the ilaj, get the treatment so the same thing here say that I've tried it, it didn't help so therefore 
کوئی طریقہ ہدایت فرماوے تاکہ اس پر عمل کرنے سے اس بد عادت کا استیصال ہو جاوے اور اس خاص صورت میں حضور کی دعا کا متمنی ہو باقی تدبیر یہ ہے کہ آپ ہر کلام سے پہلے یہ سوچ لیا کیجئے کہ اگر یہ کلام میں نہ کروں تو کوئی ضروری نفع تو فوت نہ ہوگا جس میں ضروری نفع کا فوت نہ ہونا معلوم ہو اس سے زبان کو بند رکھے یہ تو زبان کا انتظام ہے بیکاز ان دا کوشچن دا پرسن آلسو مینشن اباؤٹ ریبت اینڈ ریبت از اسن آف دا ٹنگ اینڈ لائک وائز دا سن اینڈ دا میلڈی آف لوکنگ ایٹ دا فالس آف ادرس دس ٹو ایونچولی اٹ مینیفیسٹ اٹ سیلف آن دا ٹنگ دا پرسن کیپ لوکنگ ایٹ دا فالس آف ادرس اٹ از ناؤ آئی And if it is somebody that is close to him, he will start misusing his tongue in that regard. Now every small thing, he will have something to say about it. And something to say which will humiliate somebody, run somebody down, make somebody feel very bad, unnecessarily say things, make comments, be sarcastic about things, out of this. Now this is where it leads to, it leads again to the sins of the tongue. So it's one sin leading to another sin. 
So therefore, Hazrat started off by first putting the control on the tongue that before you say anything, stop to think. Stop to think. If I don't say this, is it going to result in losing out on something? Will I lose out on some benefit? So, more often than not, there's nothing lost. In fact, nothing lost meaning there's a lot lost often in terms of deen. No benefit lost. That's what's the issue being put forward. That will you lose out on some benefit? No benefit lost. So train yourself to then keep quiet. This is one of the most difficult things sometimes. To speak requires effort. Person has to now use so many muscles, he has to move his jaws, his tongue will have to move. So many things that have to be done. Not much effort involved in it, but it's an effort compared to not moving his tongue at all, not opening his mouth, not moving those jaws, compared to that, moving the jaws is an effort, moving the tongue is an effort, but it is far more difficult to not move the jaws than to just keep it quiet. That is very difficult. To not move the jaws, very difficult. That comes sometimes just beyond a person's control. You see, now trying to keep my mouth closed. To keep it closed requires no effort. No, but it just got open. Trying to keep my tongue still. But it just carried on, started speaking. And I'm trying to hold it back. But I just couldn't hold it back. SubhanAllah. Well, he's talking on his own. That happens in sleep talk maybe, when you awake. So he said, now I was wide awake. But I couldn't hold myself. And these things just came out of my mouth. It just came out. So were you standing aside and this was talking on his own? All these become the excuses then. The thing is, that yes, shaitan then just lets a person start saying things, makes him start blurting out things, which he doesn't give any thought to. And then when the damage is done, now he's scratching his head what I said, what I did. Now the damage is already done. So this is why Hazrat first brings this ilaj, to think about it. And this again comes to the same aspect, thinking. Stop and think. The Quran Sharif, many many places, Allah Ta'ala, Afala ta'aqilun, Afala ya'aqilun, don't they think, don't they ponder, don't they use their minds? So now to think, is this to, something to be spoken? What I'm going to lose if I don't speak it? What benefit is going to be lost? So if there's no benefit lost, so then don't speak it. Now that becomes a very big challenge sometimes, not to say it, but that's the thing to learn to now, control oneself. What is the issue here is, that it is not something to put a, self, a person into a position that lifelong now, she is going to be now every time thinking that he's just, and he's going to hold himself. Many a times a person starts, starts off on this, he might find he doesn't have much to say. Because 90% of the time what he was saying was crossing the line. Now when he's thinking, suddenly now wondering now what to say now, because all these things are all falling out. 
but that's the need that's the need now to think ponder will realize how much we are saying which is not in order so then gradually we learn how to say the right things then obviously with our families with dear and dear ones there's going to be some general conversation there's going to be some lighthearted talk as well but we learn how to say the right things in all these situations and sometimes there's going to be things need to be addressed also there's going to be things that need to be sorted out somebody needs to be disciplined as well all this has to happen all this is part of our responsibility also but the lesson here is to learn how to control the tongue say the right things but in order to get to that initially a person is going to learn how to just hold things back when he has learned how to hold things back his mind will have time to think of what's the right thing to say unfortunately by the time we realize what's the right thing to say we've already said a whole lot of wrong things now after saying a whole lot of wrong things and I'm sorry I I retract what I said very well you retracted it but it's still there the pain is still there the damage is done the hurt is there find the soul serve as some balm if it comes out very sincerely it'll serve as, serve as some ointment on the wound if it comes out very sincerely the apology is genuine it will give some comfort but it's not going to overnight just sort everything out that overnight the pain is going to go away it'll take a while for the pain to go therefore the issue is to learn first to control the tongue and then a person will now say the right things he will not cross the line so this was the first lesson then jab kisi ke aib par nazar pare baaki iski jar ka intizam ye hai thereafter as it says as far as treating the root that the tongue also the root of the tongue is now what is the malady of the heart So now this comes to the melody of the heart now. So uske jar ka intizam ye hai ke jab kisi ke aib par nazar pare to yu socha kijiye ke go is shakhs mein ye aib hai magar mumkin hai ki isme kuch khubiyan aisi ho ke jinke aitebar se iski majmu'i halat meri majmu'i halat se indallah ahsan ho. Phir mujhko iski aib joyi ya aib goyi ka kya haq hasil hai? is when you see somebody's fault immediately think that yes this is something wrong this is something wrong if it's wrong it's a clear cut wrong that is wrong but this person's overall condition is better than mine alhamdulillah allah's fazl i'm not involved in this wrong he's caught up in this wrong but his overall condition is better than me the sum total person in the exam he got the first three questions wrong we got it right but the other 33 questions we got it wrong and he got it right who passed who got the biggest grand total so in terms of the grand total this person is far ahead of me so now we don't have the grand total in front of us neither of ourselves nor his grand total we'll only know that on the day of kiamat what's the grand total in his book of deeds and what's the grand total now book of deeds we'll never know in dunya neither ours nor his ours we might be calculating a lot and somebody asks or we ourselves now decide to start calculating Allah knows best we might calculate a lot Allah forbid sometimes on the day of kiamat it mustn't happen that all this says but where was the sincerity in it 
how much sincerity was there? There was a class in it? Or was there riyah in all this? What was the quality of it? How close was the quality to what was required? So what are you asking for now? So now all our calculations are all gone in the air. الَّذِينَ ضَلَّ سَعْيُهُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُمْ يَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ يُحْسِنُونَ الصُّنْعَى An ayat of the Qur'an Sharif which really shakes the heart. Allah Ta'ala says on the day of Qiyamah there will be those all their efforts of dunya all gone in vain. الَّذِينَ ضَلَّ سَعْيُهُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا They thought they were doing great wonders. Why gone in vain? Sometimes because of the corruption of the intention. Sometimes because of the haphazard performance. And sometimes because that action itself was not in order, but they thought it was in order. Person thought he was doing something good, it was not good. Person thought he was doing some work of deen, but he was doing something else. Now he's thinking he's serving deen, but his so-called service of deen is breaking the laws of Allah Ta'ala. There's intermingling taking place, some other things happening, what not. That's not service of deen. Uh, he thought he was serving deen. But, الَّذِينَ ضَلَّ سَعَيُهُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُمْ يَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ يُحْسِنُونَ صُنْعًا Our calculations, Allah knows best what the calculation. We'll only know the day of Qiyamah. So now when somebody's fault comes in front, those who are concerned about their Islam, so now they, they train themselves to engage their minds correctly at that moment. A lot of the treatment of the spiritual maladies is all about how the mind is engaged. That is the manner of treating it. That's the process. So all this is about engaging the mind now. All the thinking, pondering, is all about engaging the mind. So likewise, this is part of engaging the mind now, that this person, okay, he's got this fault, that genuine, that is a problem. And Alhamdulillah, Allah's fazal, Allah Ta'ala saved me from this. But the grand total, I don't know. And my grand total, his is better, this definitely. I have to think of it in that manner. So the least that will happen out of that is, we'll get saved from this takabur. And it will also gradually erode this malady of looking for the faults of others. So now when this is the case, that his grand total is better than mine, so what basis do I have to be looking for his faults or to be speaking about his faults. He's still better than me. Despite this wrong, overall he's still better than me. So now on what basis I'm going to, why, on what basis can I get into this? Jis tarah ande ko ye haq nahi ke kaane ko chirawe bar bar is mazmoon ki istihazar se inshallah is ayb ka istisal ho jawega. I'll give an example that one person is blind. I is blind and there's another person who uh, that he is cockeyed doesn't have one eye he's seeing with one eye but the other eye he doesn't have another person is blind but the blind person he's mocking the person who has got one eye you don't have one eye what's your problem what can you see you have only one eye. He says, but I still got one eye. You don't have either. Now the person who is blind, have we ever, can we ever uh, imagine such a thing that the blind person will be mocking somebody who is one eye? 
he'll never do it. He says, what basis am I going to mock him? I don't have both eyes. He's got one. So likewise, when we regard others as better than us overall, that person is better, what basis are we going to now find fault with him? Meaning, focus on his faults and look down upon him for his faults. Yes, the fault is a fault, but he's still better than us. I'll say is to repeatedly think about this. Bar bar is mazmoon ke istihzar. Repeatedly focusing on this. Not just some casual thinking about it. Focusing on it deeply. So now, all this requires that some time be given for it. Now many times, this has been mentioned that the time, for example, before salah, a person is sitting, he has two, three minutes before the jamaat starts, for example. So now one is, mashallah, the time to engage oneself in some zikr, because that will, inshallah, enhance the khushu in the salah, that a person is now connecting with Allah Ta'ala. He has five minutes, ten minutes, engages some tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, engages some istighfar. And this is also part of it. Engage in these muraqabahs, in thinking in this manner. Thinking about our own condition. Thinking that we are the lowest. Thinking the others are better than us. Repeatedly bringing this to mind, especially somebody who we seem to look down upon. Somebody we think we are better than them. Keep bringing this to mind, over and over. Like a person now is trying to really make one child understand something. So he's telling him and telling him again. Tell him, did you understand? Must I tell you once more? Tell ourselves all this. I don't think you understood still. Let me explain to you one more time. That you are the lowest. This inner conversation must have with ourselves. And repeatedly, bar bar is masmoon ki istihzar se, inshallah is ayb ka istisal ho jawega. Inshallah this will then be uprooted. And then further we say, or agar ahyanan wa ittifaqan phir bhi iska sudur ho jawe. After having made this effort to uproot this malady, if then perchance it still happens from time to time, or sometimes it happens, then batore jurmana ke bees rakat nafil parhaki je, inshallah nafs sida ho jawega. Then when this happens, now you come to your senses after a while, because at that time now you got carried away. Mashallah, you made the effort to uproot it, but again something just washed you away. So in that moment you got caught up in the thought again, thinking low of somebody else, thinking yourself better, focusing on somebody's faults. But when you come to your senses, when you realize your fault, then make 20 rakats of nafil. I say, Inshallah, nafsida ho jayega. Inshallah, your nafs will get straightened out. Now that 20 rakats, the person will say, but Ramadan just finished, I heard. I'm sure Eid was over. And the next Ramzan Khan has come so quickly now. But in that, that nafs will come right. And that is the bottom line. Nowadays, generally, a person, we all prescribe for ourselves four rakats and six rakats. We talk about 20 rakats, even two rakats won't happen then. But the person, when he puts that pressure on the nafs, now he got caught up in something. He did that, made a mistake, he slipped up. So now to... Now that slip up happened because of the shararat, the evil prompting of the nafs. And the nafs doesn't like this pressure. The nafs runs away from that pressure. Don't want to be subjected to this pressure now. Nafs wants to be free and getting involved in all other futile things. Nafs wants to be doing things that are not related to deen in any way. 
Now he is putting the pressure on the nafs and 20 rakats nafil. And then he warns the nafs again. You trip me again, next time will be 20 rakats again. And it's possible that that again might happen the same day. But then he does the 20 rakats. Inshallah it won't happen again. Inshallah like that nafs will come right. The person says, but now this is too difficult and all that. So then, carry on doing the circle. The child now is misbehaving, disciplined him, gave him some punishment to. Now second time round, they say, well, already now I gave him punishment now, leave it now, whatever happens, happens now. They say, no, 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 double the punishment now. Take the privileges away. So the discipline that child, then all the ways and means that how that disciplining should happen comes to mind. And we apply it also. No, no, this child can't be allowed to just carry on as he wants, because otherwise he'll get worse. Then his whole tabiyat will go in that direction. So all that we learn or we understand very well, we apply it also when it comes to others. So more than that, we have to apply it to our nafs. More than that, we have to apply it to our nafs, otherwise this nafs doesn't get straightened out. This is what the, the lesson was given here. That then 20 rakats as a penalty now must be performed and inshallah then nafs will get straightened out. Many a time shaitan puts all these kind of aswasas here. I want to read the 20 rakats just as a penalty, there's no ikhlas in it. No ikhlas in it, so no point in reading it. That is all the waswasa of shaitan. Why is that penalty being imposed? For what? For who? What is the purpose of that penalty? That this nafs is taking me away from Allah Ta'ala. I want to get to Allah Ta'ala. So I need to impose this on the nafs so that it's brought into line and I don't get derailed by this nafs because I want to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. That is the ikhlas. That is the sincerity in it. Now in all the other things that never occurred to us that now is this sincere or not. But now when it came to really doing something sincere then suddenly nafs came in again and deceived us into thinking but there's no ikhlas in this, this is just for the penalty now you're going to now just inform the shaykh afterwards that now well okay I completed the 20 rakat so you're doing it for somebody else, you're not doing it for Allah Ta'ala so why you got a shaykh to start off with? what was the purpose of going to the shaykh? the shaykh is not the maqsood, he's merely the guide to help you get to the maqsood the maqsood, your purpose was to reach Allah Ta'ala is merely the guide to take you through the path. So when that's the purpose of taking a sheikh, otherwise no point in it. What's the point? If a person has made the sheikh the maqsood, then he's lost the plot completely. His maqsood and his objective is to reach Allah Ta'ala. The sheikh is merely the guide. He merely shows the path. The walking has to be done by the murid himself. Nobody is going to walk the path for him. Only going to be guided through the path. And he's going to be guided to avoid the stumbling blocks and to be avoiding the detours. Don't get caught up in the wrong direction. So that all will happen by the guidance. But he's going to have to walk, he's going to have to make the effort. And his objective to take the guide is not for the guide. If he's doing something to earn the, the guidance of the Shaykh, the pleasure of the Shaykh is why? Because this must become a means to get closer to Allah. That is the ikhlas in it. So therefore, this is the purpose of that penalty that that nafs gets straightened out. And when it's pressured once, twice, two times, three times, 
inshallah then this must comes in order Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq the most important thing in all this is the lesson of this fikr of Islam this fikr of Islam but then it doesn't just the fikr and fikr alone that's where it finishes off that fikr which then propels a person towards action the action of then doing what needs to be done to attain the Islam Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq وآخر دعوانا عن الحمد لله رب العالمين سبحان الله بحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليه